I'm Dan Clark, and this is I Am Teacher. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This episode of I Am Teacher is sponsored by... Today on the podcast, we have a student teacher or teacher candidate, which I believe is the politically correct term. We've got Ryan Schlichty. Ryan is a current teaching candidate who is stationed with me for the semester here at St. Peter High School. He is also the starting quarterback, that's right, the quarterback for the Minnesota State University Mankato Mavericks. He's led them quite far in their postseasons. He's been playing football for them for the past four years. Today we talk about his experience as a student teacher. We get into some comparisons with football. We talk about habits. We talk about pro wrestling. We talk about it all. If you'd like to stay in the loop regarding the podcast, follow me on Instagram at imteacher.podcast. You can also reach out with questions or words of encouragement or hate mail at danielevanclark at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to show your support for this podcast, you can do so now at my paypal.me account. So if you go to paypal.me slash imteacher, you can send a few bucks my way. All proceeds go towards my student loan debt, which is about $20,000 right now. This is episode 12 of I Am Teacher with Ryan Schlichty, student teacher quarterback extraordinaire. We'll see you on the flip side. You know, so weird. More like bedtime stories are a thing uh-huh. now. Really? Like there's Spotify channels for people just reading bedtime stories to huh. get you to bed. Hmm. And our, I mean, if you ask our students, they'll tell you all about yeah. it. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of like this. Have you ever seen the soap on Instagram with like people just like cutting soap? What? Yeah. <laughs> people absolutely love it. It's just like a bar of soap and it's a little knife and you just cut it. But it like, and they like kind of like line it up so just like little pieces fall off. People just watch it. Like, oh, it's the most soothing thing ever. Just watching soap be cut. I know one of our coworkers, like Dr. Pimple Popper. You ever see that? Yeah. Or like people watching chiropractic videos where they crack their backs. Those are, I mean, that's, I kind of, like if I, if I randomly were to see those videos, I get it. Right. I get why crunching backs is, I don't know, but the internet, it's so weird. Or now the most liked post on Instagram is an egg (laughs) because there was just, yeah, I don't know what the title is, but. Kylie Jenner held the most liked Instagram post of all time, but then mm-hmm. somebody got a hankering to change that, and all of a sudden now it's an egg. Yep. Why? Why, That's, Internet? Right. That's like, have you seen the Fire Festival? Uh, 
thing like on it's on Hulu and Fire Netflix. Fest. Yep. Yeah, and like, or, no, not Fire Fest. That's in, but yeah, the F Y R E. Yeah, and like how the, like social media just made this whole thing happen, and then it ended up being just nothing. They all showed up, and it was like a disaster. Did yeah. you watch the documentary? Yeah, I watched, I watched both because it was. I think it was one of the. There's two. One of the days I was sick. Oh, there's one on Hulu and Netflix. They're just, they're different. They're so they're they're about the same thing, right. but they they both hit on different points. So like I watched them both in the same night. And, like, enjoyed both of them equally. Really? Yeah. What was the... So it was about, like, the guy who created it was just, like, is, like, this entrepreneur that's, like, been doing stuff like this for his whole, like, whole life. And then he got involved with Ja Rule, the rapper. Oh, yeah. And that was, so that was, like, his, like, guy getting him going. And they, like, got this idea of, like, just putting out... So they got all these, like, influencers on social media to just post out this, like, orange post. Like, the post was just orange. And so that's why everybody, like, would see these orange posts. They'd be like, well, what's this? So then they would look into this festival, and then they, like, drew a bunch of attention because these influencers. So it was basically just about how, like, influencers are these random people that have millions of followers can make people do whatever they want. And how everyone told this guy, like, You're, this, this is not going to work, like, days, weeks before, like, things were not happening. And he was just so set, like, nope, but it has to happen. And then they tried to do it, and it was just a disaster. <laughs> But, like, was there, did they book, they were supposed to book bands and... So, like, the day before, I think it was Blink-182, like, dropped out. And then everybody was like, oh, is this, like, not going to happen? And then, like, some people were like... But people showed up, right? They flew to this island. Yeah. And there was nothing. Nothing. And they had, like, hurricane shelter, like, the, the bubble tent type of things, like, for hurricane shelters that were, like, laid out and, like, mattresses. And then, like, the night, it was, like, when people were flying in, it stormed. So all the beds got, like, everything just got soaked. That wasn't ready yet. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. Did the guy go to jail? Yeah. For, like, there was, like, fraud, I think, money laundering. Like, and then there was a bunch of, and then, so then he gets out on probation and then creates, like, another credit card scam and gets, like, arrested again. Yeah, can't stop, won't stop. Got to gotta hustle after those scams. Yep. So, I, I mean, do you ever, did you, I'm sure you've done this for football, sitting down for like an interview. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go, where did you go, like Camus, you ever, and mm. talk shop, or did you go to like radio stations in the area? No, we did, like some, sometimes like just like after the game, um, they'll just have like the mic there or whatever. Do you have like canned responses for those type of things? Do you, I mean. I find, I feel like, I think I find myself saying the same things. I feel like I always say like, and I think this comes from our coach where I'll be like, um, just can't wait to see like our like all of our like hard work come to flourishing, and for whatever reason that like every time that just like <laughs> pops into my mind, and I'm like God, I hate that I'm saying that. I always I don't know if I cringe or I just I laugh a lot at most because most sports interviews are almost all the same. Yeah, it's like okay, here we're here with Ryan Schlichty. So Ryan, what will it take today to to overcome the defense? Uh, and you, the, it's just response like you know, really just. We tried really hard, gave 110, percent and uh, you know it was just it was the blocking, and the guys <laughs> really put their best effort forward, and uh, we really worked as a team, yeah. and uh, you know right. uh, everything just came to fruition. It was yeah. it was great. Uh, <coughs> so I mean, it's just every time if you watch, yep. you know, post game, I don't even know why they bother interviewing them. Well, and then like, I think it's just because like if then if like someone is outside the norm, then they're wrong. Like, if you don't say that, you're looked upon like, well, he didn't. He didn't say the team like first, like, oh, like like Richard Sherman. Remember that? Yeah, like the like 
don't try me with the sorry receiver like crap. Like I remember, like I was, I think I was like still like a, into Facebook or maybe it was a tweet. I don't know, but I remember like everyone was like, oh, that's so bad. I went on like, and I remember like just my little, I don't even know how old I was, probably like middle school. Like I thought that was cool. Like you're in the heat of the motions. Like that's what you want. Like that's a real like emotion with like a real response. Yeah, I had no problem with that. No, that was a good uh, breath of fresh air. I mean, but I remember people were like, what a, what a fool. Yeah, yeah. Talking what he actually thinks. I mean, they just made a play to go on to the Super Bowl, and you know, what do you want him to just, yeah, we played really well. 110%. As a, as a defense, like, coaches put a good game plan in, we executed it, had a good week of practice. Yeah, it's like they hand him a script right before right. the interview. Um, so welcome to the podcast. You've been teaching here for how long now? This will be week seven. About the halfway point. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's gone by fast. Um, every every day has been a, a new experience. Every um, day has been a snow day. <laughs> <laughs> about half of them have been. If uh, if they haven't been snow days, they've been um, seminars that have been moved around and different things. But it's been a, one of the craziest winters I can remember living in Minnesota. What so like comparing it to football? What is the? I mean, I guess it's totally different. But can you compare them at all? And which ones? more difficult or like are they difficult in different ways or they're definitely they're difficult in different ways um but then they do have a lot of similarities uh similarities you gotta always be on your toes uh you never know what a student's gonna say you never know what defense they're gonna throw at you <laughs> um you don't know if there's gonna be a blizzard uh just like football like our, our playoff game was uh we got like six inches of snow in one quarter um oh and like the school year we got six snow days in two weeks so uh, you always got to be on your toes. Uh, there are different ways where just dealing with people, uh, teaching, you get way more, I don't know, it's even more, I think there's more similarities and differences, honestly. Um, you're just dealing with people of different personalities. Finding ways to keep those personalities intact sometimes is, is tough. And as a, as the quarterback, do you have to do, I mean, do you do any like teaching-like stuff as the quarterback? Or like when you're in a, I guess, the most teaching you would do would be in the huddle or on the sidelines. Do you coach people? Like, do you teach them or tell them things that you'd like them to do? Or is that, or is that just a coach's job? No, I mean, I think that definitely extends at the quarterback position uh, in, like, meetings especially. We'll do we'll usually go uh, about an hour of meetings before each practice. Um, we'll kind of go over the, either the film from the game or from the practice before. Um, definitely talking about things that I like as a quarterback, whether that's the type of route they run against a certain coverage or even getting that information from the, from the receivers, especially that I work with. If they like a certain thing uh, or a certain way that I throw a ball, uh, taking that into account, even in practice, it's a little bit harder in practice. Our practices are very up-tempo, uh, so we don't have a lot of time to really teach. Uh, the, a lot of the teaching is done during the meetings. Practice is just for running plays, and then we'll learn from them in, in meetings. So, like, when you guys watch tape, is it because when I whenever I was in sports, it was just the coaches saying stuff mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you missed this assignment. You got to do this." Like, is it the same thing, or do people like do the players actually have more input or bring up things? Uh, definitely, compared to high school, we have more input. We'll break up in like position meetings sometimes, where it'll just be the quarterbacks, and we have a lot of input in those meetings where our quarterback coach will ask, like, "Hey, do you like this play? Um, which play is your favorite?" Which coverages are you comfortable with? And then we have a lot of good dialogue about things we like going into the week, the game plan. Um, then when we get like more in a unit meeting, which is all the offense, offense linemen, uh, skill positions, 
together. We have a little bit less where it's just mostly the coaches talking. Um, but if we feel that we, something needs to be said, something will be said. And do they listen? Do they actually, like when they ask you your favorite play or when they tell you, like, what don't you like, do they run those less or run the other one more? Or yeah, just like so they just do that to make you feel like you've been heard? Um, for the, it's probably like 80-20 that they do listen. Um, sometimes when you, like, it's tough when you got um, two egos, especially like an ego of a quarterback where you do have to have a little bit of one. Um, more of a moxie and a confidence than an ego. Same thing with like a, a coordinator calling plays. You have to be pretty confident in your abilities to call the plays. And so if, like for me as a quarterback, I say I don't like this concept, uh, which kind of means just the routes that go with the play. And the coach is like, well, it's going to be a really good concept this week based on what the defense is doing. Yeah, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that concept, like with the reads. Um, so sometimes it's a happy medium of, well, I know you don't like it, but how, how can we change it a little bit to help your – um, likeness if that's changing one route or on a certain down and distance type of thing so there's a lot of good conversation that goes into that and that's pretty that that like what you just said there is pretty applicable to school like yep. just think of a kid or a student that you know says those same things like you know i'm not comfortable running that play mm-hmm. i mean doing that assignment yeah you know and then you modify things you know right. you say, well what can we do we could do this we could do another option we could i'm sure you found over the years playing sports is that just there's so many metaphors that apply to life and I mean not just teaching but in life in general mm-hmm. like what are like what are some of the ones that stick out to you that you learned not from teaching or not from um, school itself but just just from sports that maybe you didn't pick up from school i think like number one would be like control the controllables uh you never you never know what circumstances are you're gonna face uh we talk about a lot of a lot about um you can't control external factors like weather the refs um the fans what the opponents are doing what even the coaches are calling sometimes all you can control is like your attitude and your effort um as cliche as it sounds you really can only control your attitude and effort um translate that to like school um can't always control how the students are going to come in if they didn't get enough sleep the night before. Can't control if they did their homework, did their reading. All you can do is kind of take that as you go one step at a time. And that's something like you have to definitely be reminded of, right? Mm-hmm. Like even, because I mean, I'm sure there's been times where, especially in football, like they tell you like, you know, you can't control the external factors. But then like how many times have you had a teammate or yourself, you know, maybe say something to a ref about a call they made or, you know, how they were calling the game. Oh, absolutely. And you just don't remember, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I can't really actually control that person. Right. I mean, that's just human nature. I mean, you get the motions of the game and the spirit of competition just kind of comes out of you, and uh, you can't always, but that's kind of what builds a good good team and a good culture, even, like, in the classroom, too, is where you can help each other, remind each other. Um, Maybe if you are stepping out of line, if I'm – uh, yelling at the ref in a game because he missed a call or I thought he missed a call. Um, if we have a good team around, a good culture that they can bring me in and be like, Ryan, like it's all right, like don't worry about it, just let's get to the next play. And I think the same thing in a, in a classroom where students can help each other out that way where as much as you want to be as a teacher, the, the most consistent influence every day, some days if you're sick, you, you're tired, you might just might not have it. Students can remind each other that, hey, they're human, they make mistakes. Maybe they did lose that my assignment. Probably not, but maybe they did, and I should have just done it and turned it in. Yeah, and um, usually ne- that was always ne- like 
when I first started teaching, I thought that I was maybe the most forgetful teacher or something because kids kept saying, you lost my assignment. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as years passed by, I would realize like, oh my God, no, I didn't. I didn't at all. You just didn't turn it in or you didn't look for it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's just like a side note. Um, And I've even noticed that too with like how I've, when I've had to grade papers, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw that student turn that in. And then I'll go through and be like, but they didn't. So... I had to have lost it. So I'm kind of going through that, which but you yeah. went through. But you didn't. You got to right. back to that same idea. You got to be confident. Yep. You know, like confident in who you are as a teacher and, you know, confident that you are only worried about, you know, what you can actually control. Right. Um, and I think just like telling people that constantly is super helpful. I mean, I I can remember telling I tell my wife that, you know, when she – tells me the weather report, and I say, you can't change that. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's uncontrollable. But then, like, last week, I, I signed up for, like, YouTube TV or something mm-hmm. to get a free trial. We were watching the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And then, like, six days later, we were walking in the middle of Target, and I just realized, oh, my God, I didn't cancel my free trial. And so, sure enough, I, like, pulled my phone, and there's 40 bucks charged to my account for just one month, like, of youtube tv and i just you know that ruined my mood like i was happy before that all of a sudden i turned into just you know some just an emotionless like pouting like little kid and she turned it around on me and said like can you what can you do from here what can you control and i was like well played my dear um and i think that if student like i don't i don't think students hear that enough I don't think, like every time I every time I get the chance, I will tell a kid that what can you in this situation, what can you control? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's mostly what they can do themselves. Yeah. It's not like you can't control what the teacher's going to do. Right. You can only control what you are going to do. Yeah, and that comes with practice because I mean, I'm, even times like for that example, you know, in your mind that I need to like I listen to myself and control what I can control. But just the feeling where you don't even want to listen to that voice inside your head, inside your head telling you what the right what, what the right thing to do is. But just practicing time and time again that yes, you actually have to do that. So it's just getting that repetition. Yeah, and everyone everyone has that voice. Mm-hmm. It's just that some people's voice is louder than others. I mean, I guess like with the practice, it's like that voice learns how to speak louder mm-hmm. or speak into an amplifier in your yep. brain and. You know, you listen to it more, but I I just, yeah, I think it's something that we should probably, every teacher should bring up, and also every teacher should also realize themselves. Yeah. Um, When you, I mean, that whole idea that you said was cliched of, you know, you can only control your, what was it? Attitude and effort. Attitude and effort. I mean, that was, I've talked about stoicism on here, and I've talked to it, talked with it, wait, I've talked about it with you, and it's the same idea, Mm -hmm. like, that's the whole principle behind it. This is a philosophy that's been around for, you know, hundreds or thousands of years. Right. And I don't know, I think it's pretty powerful and a good a good base for living a good life. Yeah. That and basically, like, everyone's got the same playing field of time. That's the only thing that's the same. Everyone's got 24 hours. Um, it's all about what you do with it. If you spend half it playing video games, you're not going to be as successful in the other half. 
Now, that just goes for anybody, I guess. Though what we have, but we all have 24 hours. Time. Yeah, and I mean, as maybe you can speak to this because you're closer to these students in age than I am. But I, I mean, it's not like I forgot. But do you remember how f- slow? Like, what do you? How do you remember time? in like high school or even as a kid like i want to see what you think about this so like if you think about just how time moved i don't know if i'm sounding crazy i mean i'm almost convinced that the clock speeds up every year like every year like christmas comes faster like time they say like time flies when you're having fun time flies as you get older there's no doubt about it like teaching classes goes way faster i feel like than it did when i was in class even just dating back to last semester in college, clock watching is two different things. When you're a student compared to when you're a teacher, when you're a student, <laughs> it's it can't go faster. As a teacher, like slow down. I got more stuff to cover. Right. So that's my kind of time. But it's we like I don't know if it's a fun, I haven't looked it into it, but there's got to be some sort of phenomenon that deals with the speeding up of time or perception of time. Maybe that I, maybe there's some sort of firing of your brain that goes on quicker as an adult meaning time goes by i don't know there's but there's got to be something to it there's got to be and i like talked about it a lot for football we're in in a winter workout phase right now and we were just talking about how fast going into my senior year of winter workouts felt like a snap of a finger and it was over when we think back to freshman year we walked from the dorms in the cold to the weight room every morning and we felt like that was the end of the earth long like every week would be like all right guys Week two of eight done. And then it felt like a year later. All right, week five of eight done. This year it was like a snap of a finger and weeks one through eight was done. So it's, it, no doubt, goes faster. And I think it just comes with maybe experiencing it already so you kind of know what to expect. I can just remember in high school being, like just having the thought like this feels like it's last, this is never going to end. Like I can remember having that thought, like, high school is not going to end. Right. Why not? I want it to end. Yeah. And, it, you know, it just dragged on and on. And I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know what it is. But, yeah, it's just a weird phenomenon. So if you're listening, students, um, I don't know, do more stuff with your time. <laughs> I mean, like you said, you have the same amount of time as we do, but it comes down to the choices that you make yep. that make you, you know, more productive. And then sometimes some choices get eliminated. I mean, you have Mateo, so right. some of your choices are eliminated based on his needs. But, um, but like as I mean, there's so many things I don't know that I think students can do. But it's so hard. I mean, that they could start doing as a student that would just allow them to, you know, get just that little bit more ahead or more matured quicker. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess. Maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe we don't. Maybe you don't want to mature a kid too fast. Um, but I don't know. It would probably be good. It would just be better for them because as you get older, you realize how time is limited, and you mm-hmm. would just wish that those kids would get there quicker so that they could, you know, reap the benefits more quickly than mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. I guess everybody needs their own time to figure that out, though. For me, I think I really figured out that. Sometime during college, more so than I did in high school. Not that I necessarily wasted my time. It just it was spent with. I played three sports in high school. Got home, ate dinner, probably played some Xbox with my buddies, and tried to do my homework before bed. If not, I would do it in study all the next day. Whereas in college, it's like you can't afford to miss assignments as much, and you got to prioritize that 
that more so than high school. That's the way I feel, at least. Yeah, I feel like students would be better. I mean, they just don't. They want to learn. Like, people want to learn more when they get out of school and they become older. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how many people, how many parents I've talked to that, oh, when I was in high school, I hated history class. And then I turned 40. And then I love it. Now I can't get enough of it. And it's just like, why I want that to happen earlier. Or maybe we should just... You know, delay high school till forty. That'd be <laughs> good. Um, I don't. I don't know what what the answer is to it, but um, it just seems like the desire to learn and like get those things figured out. It happens almost for most people after high school. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't have these kids after high school. I have right. them in high school. Right. Um, Sometimes that the beauty though when they come back and you you kind of they tell you about. Hey, Mr. Clark, like, those things that you were telling me, they finally clicked. Does that, does that ever... I mean, I don't know if I've ever had somebody that was, like, just not a very I don't know, participatory student do that. Most of the people that come back and say stuff are usually, they were pretty good students. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still waiting for you. If you're one of these people, come on back. <laughs> I'll be waiting. Um, so, yeah, as you've been teaching these last seven weeks... What's it been like compared to going to classes for it? Mm-hmm. Like what's been, what are some of the things you just didn't expect or you didn't realize when you were, you know, taking all those education classes? Like what, you know, theory versus reality, what, is, what are you seeing? Oh, so, I mean, some, you, at the end of the day, you just got to be a human being. You don't, we don't spend enough time just talking about what makes each student tick. Uh, each student is different individually. And figuring that out sooner rather than later can help you, one, inspire them to do the littlest things as in just turn in their work or become passionate about a career of their choice. Just how much other stuff that they have going on um, when you're kind of taught in the program, it seems like. It's like they treat them like they're robots almost. Because like, what, what I see is when you do the theory and they make you look at, you know, your standards and your language objective and, you know, um, if they're hitting their learning target. You know, those are all different mm-hmm. vocab words. And yeah. you got to know all of them. And yep. you got to, it's like they treat each student not as, it's like they're a piece of a machine instead of, you know, a living, breathing human with emotions and, you know, a lot of stuff going on at home. Yeah, and just how much different each class is compared to one another. So, like, the one lesson plan you create uh, with all the the language objectives, the language functions, um, each class is different, and you get through different amounts for the good and the bad. If you spend more time on one topic um, than you plan in your lesson plan, that doesn't make it a bad lesson. It's just that class got interested in that topic, and you just couldn't get through everything. Um, so then moving forward, the next day you might have, uh, you're at different places. Um, and then it's not always how you draw it up in a lesson plan, especially one that's sequenced for three to five days um, at a time. But that's just the way it, it goes in, in the real the real show, and I think that's okay. But it's, but it's crazy to me that they might see that, and they might see like, well, that doesn't that means you failed. Like, mm-hmm. not, not failed, but you didn't. You know, complete your objective, but in reality, you did right. because maybe the like the objective should, at the end of the day, be: Did these kids learn something? Mm-hmm. Are they more developed when they left this room versus when they came in? Yeah. And I don't know. I feel I feel like 
I ranted about this by myself on here. I don't know if I'll post the podcast. Maybe it's already posted. Um, but I think our approach to all of those different vocab words like learning targets and, you know, standards and objectives and, you know, all those fun language derivative or what, I don't know what the word is, but we just lose sight of what's really important at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, and what's really important at the end of the day is, are they more developed, you know, when they left versus when they came in or are yep. they better off now because they had this class? Yep. I don't know. I hope when you were ha- like, when you hang out with me or when you or in my classroom, I hope that's what, I I, ho- I really hope that's what rubs off mm-hmm. the most. Yeah. I mean, I think you can see that the amount of students that, will, that you don't have anymore that you have had uh, do come into your class to just hang out, check in. Um, and the question they always ask right away is like, oh, what are, like, what are they on? Because they remembered doing the Cold War or Vietnam. Do they remember every single vocab word? No. Yes, they do. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Containment. They know what it is. Uh but they always are interested. They go, oh, I remember we did this or we did that. And I, I don't think they could say that about a lot of classes. I don't think they can go back into it and remember as many details as they do. Well, like, I think that I feel like that should be part of the like the college curriculum. Like, did you have a professor in college that would try to instill those things? Or was um, it always just based on... I thought the, the best professors I had educationally were ones that told more stories about their real teaching experiences where you actually got a feel for how students were um, specific situations about different types of students rather than maybe the, the philosophies or the theories that don't even go through your mind on a daily basis but you think about oh well, when teacher A told you the story about the student that she had um, that gave her this problem but they ended up correcting it with this solution, that's what goes through your mind on a daily basis is how did how did somebody else handle a situation that I am now experiencing. So the best things that I took away, in my opinion, were stories from professors that I had. Right. And like the one statistic or the research that I like to cite the most is like the two biggest factors when it comes to learning doesn't have anything to do with like level of education for the teacher. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with standards. It doesn't have to do anything with those, you know, objectives. What it has to do with is, does the teacher have a relationship with me? And is the teacher excited about what they're teaching? Yes. Like, those are the top, I'm pretty sure they're the top two. Yep. There's, like, a list of most, well, I don't know, best practice or, like, most effective strategies. I should, maybe I'll post it in the show notes. I, like, people say that a lot. Um but those are the two. And, like, I don't know why we wouldn't say, like, look at these two. They're at the yep. top. Mm-hmm. That should be our base for making Absolutely. the next generation of teachers. Absolutely. You know? Um, but, like, that's not the case. I mean, how I don't, I'm sure you had teachers that hadn't even been in the classroom for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, that, does, that doesn't seem like a smart solution to making a better, you know, workforce of teachers um so anything anything has anything surprised you or like caught you off guard or like you didn't expect to happen and maybe it's pleasant maybe it's unpleasant oh i think just the biggest takeaway is um or the biggest challenge i guess has been being closer in age to the students than i am to my teaching colleagues just me being 22 
Most of them are 17. A lot of teachers are 30 plus. Um, so some of the similarities, I guess, uh, makes it a little bit tougher to keep that professionalism uh, with students. But I think just keeping consistency every day um, that you are here to be the teacher, but still create that friendly relationship that you talked about. Do that. Do you have a relationship? And are you passionate about what you're teaching? Those two things combined helps create that separation in age. Where it's different when my previous placements I've been with middle schoolers, and that's never really been a thing that comes to mind because all of a sudden now you're from 22 to about 13 or 14 years old to 17. That's a big jump um, in age-wise where... I mean, yeah, there's puberty in there, so... <laughs> there's, yeah, there is. <laughs> that changes things. Yes, it does. Uh, but I don't know. It Even I still feel like I enjoy being around my students like in front of the class more than I would enjoy maybe a meeting with my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Now it's not a knock on my colleagues, it's maybe just a reflection of, you know, generational differences. Yeah. You know? Because those students are more connected to what I know pop culturally yep. or yeah, pop culturally. I mean I I brought up like a, a colleague mentioned you were there I think, but a colleague mentioned like a certain game and I had never heard like what's that and basically like after I I said I didn't know he's like you child I was like well geez sorry I didn't like have a clue but I mean that's kind of a reflection of that like there's a big gap there between you know those older colleagues Mm -hmm. and I it's a it is a fine like it's a it's a fine line to walk and it's not like it's not apparent right away right you know like the you just have to Figure it out by trial and error. Right. Um, yeah. Has it been? Have you have you been having fun? Yeah. No, it's been. I was just talking about that with a, a buddy of mine, a teammate of mine that went through student teaching last spring, and I just really enjoy coming to school every day, just hanging out with the kids, creating those relationships. Uh, working with you has been awesome. I know not everybody has the best experiences student teaching, for good and bad, but. And I wonder. If, I wonder if that's also because of that, like age gap. Yeah, I don't know what the what the average age of a teacher is, but I mean I can't imagine it's really low. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I'm guessing most so most student teachers are probably what 22, and so they're probably getting paired up with people that are most likely f- like I don't know 40 plus. Yeah, and I think that might cause that might I don't know if that's what the case is, but I feel like that would probably cause some issues. Yeah, and I think um, we've just done a really good job. I feel like of working together with like co-teaching styles of I've been able to watch you kind of take what you bring to the table every day and mix that with my style of what I've learned from other teachers, just kind of what I've adapted on my own. Um, and then just kind of practicing. You know, some days go better than others. Some days are crash and burns, but that all comes with, with the experience of, of doing the student teaching and practicing. And there's another analogy to sports. I mean, some days are worse than others. There's no such thing as a loss. It's just mistakes, and you learn from them, I guess. Right? It's what what's there's winning and I think it's like there's winning and there's learning. Yeah, there you go. Something like that. Um, so yeah, so just those days where I kind of walk away and I'm like, man, this teaching thing is tough. <laughs> and then there's some days where I walk away like, wow, like that, I'm the man. Like <laughs> they were really they really like that lesson. So it's just kind of it's just the nature of the beast, and it's been a fun uh, experience where a lot more ups and downs, which I. Have, have uh, really enjoyed and 
look forward to more of them. Yeah, I mean, some of the downs, like, they can, like, there's a lot of goose eggs you can throw up. And, like, I'm here to tell you, like, more there will be more goose eggs <laughs> in the future. Like, I throw up goose eggs, and yeah. it's like I crash and burn. And, man, that does not feel good. No. Like, in stand-up comedy, I don't know if, you're, if you've watched much stand-up, but there's the idea of bombing, you know? It's the same thing. You go up in front of a crowd, you tell your jokes, and, like, you get booed off stage, or mm-hmm. no one laughs, or you're just dying up there. Like, nothing is worse than that feeling. Nope. But after enough practice, like, you like you know it's going to happen again. And when it does happen, like, that voice that we were talking about before is loud enough to just say, Yep. It'll be all right. Yeah. Like, there's always tomorrow. Yep. And they're going to forget what happened today. <laughs> That's right. You know, I don't know if you've experienced that yet, but... I remember when I taught middle school, there would be, like, some girl or some young man would just have a blow-up or a kid caused a huge scene and just wrecked everything. And then the next day, just act like nothing happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the, the teaching profession is just filled with interesting little nuggets of wisdom that you probably just can't ever get from, you know, being in a... Theory-based classroom. You have to, you know, be on the job. Right. I mean, you never. They never really teach you how to fail. I mean, like even like from class to class. Like for example, today, like I think the worst block I had was first block. I thought I prepared a great lesson, started teaching it, and realized there was a couple gaps in there. Made a couple corrections, and I thought by the end of today it was a lot, a lot more smooth than it was the first time taught it. So. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And like, there's, and that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And even if the uh, first class wasn't perfect, like they got out of it what you what we needed to get yeah. what they needed to get out of right. it. It wasn't maybe as smooth of a ride, you know. There was some turbulence, but we landed the plane. That's right. You know, like, yep. it's. I mean, I don't know. There's lots of lots of bumps and bruises, but it's totally yeah. At the end of the day, pretty uh, pretty rewarding, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's a testament to how like the kids like you for sure. Like today, we recorded your. I mean, I don't think the TPA people will listen to this. But we recorded your lesson, and uh, you know when, like you know when the kids like somebody, when they're being observed by someone, or they're like they're being recorded because they know somebody else is going mm-hmm. to watch it. Yeah, they want to make you look as good as possible. Absolutely, like that's a really. Like, you should feel really good about that. Yep. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. Because they were on the ball. Right. You know, and like, that's not, they're not, I mean, they're great kids, but they're not always on the ball. You know, we're having a good time in there. Yep. Um, but when that camera was on, boy. They were. It was showtime. Yeah, it's right. You know? It's right. I tried to prove that that is a bad, like, but that's not a good way to observe a teacher because, because of that. Like, when someone is watching you you're mm-hmm. obviously going to be acting different than right. what is normally going on yeah you know and i we did we were te- we were like teaching the the scientific method i think so it was it was a world history class and i was i was going to be observed by seven teachers in one class and i like it was crazy but all seven didn't show up i was like three <laughs> but we did an experiment where i had them read something and they had some questions and then they shared out without anybody in the room. Then other teachers walked in, we read something, answered questions about it, and we reflected on, like, what happened. Mm-hmm. And 
pretty clear, like, the second time through when there, when there was someone watching them, like, they were quiet, they raised their hands. Yeah. And that's how we base our, you know, evaluation system, which, I mean, maybe it would be better if they were constantly recorded or, you know, used to the cameras or used to people coming in so that they would act normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just an interesting little side note. Yeah. Are you gonna like? Would you, are you gonna watch? I mean, you have, you have to watch this video, right? But like we talked about this a little bit today. Would you want to ever like record yourself consistently and watch it back? Like, so for football, yeah. you guys watch film. We do. Like this, this. So does film help you in football? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's different types of film, which could be also what we talked about earlier. Um, you can watch film of the other team to kind of get their tendencies, how they're going to play. And you can definitely, it's cool, like, when you're playing a game, as a quarterback, I go up there, I scan the defense, and I see, oh, yeah, I saw, I saw this on film. Like, I know what they're going to do. And that, that gives me and our team the advantage. It would be the same. So then also, like, in practice, like, watching the film of ourselves, I know that I can see, well, I took the wrong footwork here. Take this step instead of that step. That helped me on this play specifically. Same thing with teaching. If you were to record like yourself, you could definitely see tendencies. Maybe you, there's certain key words that you say where you don't even know you're saying them. Your footwork. Footwork, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hand gestures, just like little things that might even, that the kids, oh, it's, I had a professor, Dr. Ward, um, the head of the social studies department at MSU said, record yourself one time and then just ask the kids, what do you do? that you don't even think you notice doing. And he, like, his example is he used to always play with his glasses or something like that. And it was funny, one of the first days, after the first weeks, like, got going with a joke with some of the guys in the last block. Um, they say, I say, yeah, absolutely, all the time. And so now every time I say it, I'll catch myself, and I'll just, like, sit there, I'll be like, ah, I said it again. And that, I mean, that just came from asking them, because that would be the same thing as watching film. You'd be able to see it on there. But, yeah, but nobody, it's crazy, because we don't, nobody films themselves or like there isn't that a, this method isn't even used mm-hmm. only by you know young new teachers or yeah. student teachers or people in their placements yeah. they just have to record for purposes of proving yeah. like yeah I taught right. here's what I did but yeah. like there's so much more like there's so much in what you just said mm-hmm. that would be so helpful yeah you know like we are just basically you know leaving such a powerful tool on the table yep that would totally, you know, help you become a better teacher. Yeah, and it's okay to, like, see other ways to do things and, like, be like, hey, maybe maybe I could do this a different way. You just get in such a routine at times where it's, well, I don't want to even see any, I, want to, I don't want to see anything different because I just know what is easy and what works for me. Um, instead of kind of maybe challenging yourself to step outside your box, the controllables, uh, stepping outside what you can control a little bit and, and then, like, and watching yourself, like, that's something you can control. Is right. Like yourself. You're watching what are things that you could yeah. maybe fix. Yep. But I think it's also just, it's not fun to watch yourself. You know, it just gives you a, I don't know, it gives you a feeling of anxiety yeah. in your stomach. Mm-hmm. You know, even just when I first started radio and I would record news stories on the microphone, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I mean... I bet if you listened back to this, you, what would you think about your voice probably? Uh, I'd probably think I'm talking a little too fast, um, maybe too loud. I, you're just always, I mean, I'm always self-critiquing myself just like anybody is. And um, I don't know if it was us that was talking about it, but, oh, yeah, because we were talking about the haircuts. 
Like, you, people don't always notice the haircut you get until a couple of days later because you're only worried about what you look like. Like, I, did, I didn't notice that Mr. Clark got a haircut because I was so worried about the haircut that I got. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is anybody noticing that I got my haircut? Nope. Okay. I don't know why. And it's so true. Like, the same is true with, you know, audio or video. If, you know, you just, when you hear your own voice back, you automatically think, like, wow, that's how I sound? I sound so stupid. Like, I mm-hmm. can't stand listening to myself. Like, I have this tape. So I used to record radio shows on, a, like, a, like, an old recorder when I was, like, six years old. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll listen back to that. And that's, like, prepubescent <laughs> me talking and it's it's like i'm used to hearing this version of my voice yep. but when you go back to hear your yeah. six-year-old self yep. oh my god it is super uncomfortable yeah i mean that's even like looking back on old tweets or facebook posts you're like oh, oh did i really post that i was ryan was going to get ice cream after school or something like <laughs> did you really need to post that like you dirty dog you <laughs> i hope you got strawberry <laughs> no i actually went back and i went through all my tweets and just, you know, erased the dumbest sounding ones mm-hmm. possible. Even like, yep. even now, I'll get, <laughs> whatever, I'll admit this. Like, I'll get like those flashbacks on Facebook. And yep. like, you know, 10 years ago, you said studying. Yeah. And I was like, delete. Yeah. I just delete them. Right. I mean, it's probably pointless to delete them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean. You're almost like embarrassed of yourself for like, what were you thinking? But, I mean, it was such a different. Like, I don't know. So you, the time period you grew up with social media would be, so, like, when did you first get social media? Uh, Facebook was the first social media I got, and that was probably, I think, around fifth grade. I remember, like, right around fifth or sixth grade. Like, what year is this? Mm, That would have been around 2008. Okay. Yeah, and that, like, 2008 Facebook, completely different right. than 2019 yep. Facebook. Like, think about that. It's more than, that's that's 11 years ago. Yeah. 11, yeah. It's yeah. 11 years ago. And back then, your status was just what you were doing. Yeah. Yep. You know? Is that, does that ever happen anymore? Like, just someone saying. In Instagram stories, I think would be the equivalent to that. I mean, you just, you just post on what you're doing at the time. Right. You know, that's, that's a good comparison. Or like, when you when Facebook first came out, you would actually you would just your communication was writing on people's walls. Yeah, like that was the main yep. thing. You'd like you'd write an inside joke on someone's mm-hmm. wall. I guess even before that might have been like AOL. I remember we had instant messaging. Yep. Like you had the you'd have like six different chats up or whatever. And, oh yeah, I remember uh, that. Oh yeah. So I think AOL I AIM. Yep. Um, that was probably like fifth grade. That was before I think Facebook. So that was about two thousand seven, ish. But like it's just cha- like using those things has changed so much. Like Facebook has turned into, I heard this analogy. Facebook has basically turned into old people yelling at each other. <laughs> you know, like yell. It's like someone's on their front lawn, yelling at somebody. Yep. Or like if if everyone's Facebook profile was them standing in their yard, it would just be a neighborhood of people. Like screaming at each other yep. about unrelated, unrelated topics. Yep. Um, probably not. Probably not good. I don't know. What, is, what are your thoughts on that on social media? I, I think there's a time and a place for a lot of things. Like, I think I enjoy when I see people that I went to high school with that I haven't talked to since I went to high school with them. Like, post like, 
um, just got accepted into nursing school or this or that. And it's like, oh, it's great like to see like, oh, you're doing well. And then you get most time people just complaining about this or that. And it's like, are you like, is that accomplishing anything? Like, I, the, If it is like good for you, I, I don't see that getting anything accomplished that way. Yeah. At this point, it's such a part of society and, you know, our culture. Uh, I know people just like they delete their accounts and things like that, but it, I don't know. It's it, sometimes I'm just I'm scrolling through it and I'm just saying to myself, you know, what is what good is this doing? Right. You know, it's not making me a better teacher. That's for sure. I think it'd be good if we all took a step back and examined and you know reprioritized what actually mattered. You know, and then maybe kids if kids did that maybe they maybe they'd look at things that interested them or people would go back to, you know, cultivating their interests or doing a good job at what they're supposed to be doing or, you know, instead of wasting their time. And it's crazy how much time, like when they, I don't know if, I don't know if Android did this, but Apple put an app on the phone that tells you how much screen time you waste Mm -hmm. or you use in a day or in a week, I think. And I, I know mine's, fairly low it's a couple hours but i know it's like i hear people online talking about you know it says seven hours it's like you wasted seven hours just yeah scrolling like that's crazy yeah think about how much better you could have been as a person like it's back to that same that same discussion we had before about time yeah you know it's not just kids it's adults that have a hard time managing it yeah you know yeah and it's living in that world of um, social media having to, like, that's how you are appreciated, I guess. Like, getting a like is more important to some people than just face-to-face interaction, which is mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you grew up in a time when, I mean, you had you had you you didn't have a crazy, I mean, you probably were around when the boom happened basically right but, but but there was a time where you had like more face-to-face interaction versus online interaction right yeah um but i think like i was right around the time where um like kids started to get phones or right around like like i remember the earliest was about like sixth grade when probably 50 percent of kids in the grade had cell phones and then I was like, oh, I, well, I need a cell phone so I can, like, text them and stuff. And then it wasn't until I think I got my phone maybe going into 8th or ninth grade, one of the two. But I think that really, the like, that about that time period, texting was, like, everything. I mean, that was took away from a lot of the face-to-face. But before that, I mean, like, going, like, you, I remember calling friends on their home landlines, like, but their mom would answer, I'd be like, hey, is so-and-so home? Uh can we go play and like just meeting up at the park and like that's that's how you like got in touch with kids was either you would just run up to the door and see if they were home or you'd call their landline and have their mom or dad answer first and then you'd ask if they could do this or that when's the last yeah when's the last time someone called you to say you want to go play like, <laughs> yeah. i can remember saying that yeah oh what a cool memory like and I, and i remember like as bad as it sounds like there are times where like someone called you and you just didn't want to hang out with them at the time so you'd answer the phone like well, like, hey, hey, it's so-and-so, like, you want to you hang out? I'd be like, 
yeah, let me ask my mom. And I'd put, <laughs> I'd put the phone like halfway to my chest, halfway like, hey, mom, can I, go, can I go play at their house? Say no. Say no. What? No. Come on. And then you know you got to put the scene on like, come, like you mom! said, I, you said I could. Oh, can't go. Sorry, yeah. bye. Click. <laughs> so I mean, I guess now the same age is. Just not texting someone back, or that way is doing that. But yeah, yeah that's, but that was like the the ten the no text back and like having direct access seems so much more harsh than yes, like allowing or like creating that your mom is the scapegoat. Yeah, you know? like <laughs> yeah, that seems like a nice way to let somebody down. Yeah, otherwise, like now it's just like wow, they really hate me. Yeah, <laughs> yep, and they know that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine what. It's like to be a high schooler with that immediate access. And like this is a this is kind of on the same topic we're talking about, but it's pretty funny. We've noticed it'll be I think the sophomores now in college. So the guys that I've played with for two years, we've noticed a trend with Snapchat where they'll just Snapchat a picture of maybe half their face or a quarter of their face and send it to dozens of people. I'm talking like twenty to fifty people at a time. But it only started about two years ago where the, it was the change from, like, just Snapchatting, like, a few people and, like, actually sending messages, like, writing on it. Now it's – and then it was, like, all of a sudden this new wave of freshmen came in and everything was different. It was just the craziest, like – it was just one year changed the difference. What – and what – like, so what is the purpose of sending something like that? It's just to keep a streak alive or what? That That's basically my interpretation of it. I mean, because I see kids – They'll just take pictures of the ceiling. Yeah, and they'll send it to 20 people at a time. And it's funny. It's literally, I kid you not, it started two years ago. So, like, the guys that are juniors, that's not a thing. But if you're a sophomore, it's a thing. It's the craziest phenomenon. Yeah, and I can't even imagine, like, where it goes from here. Like, I would, I would, God, I hope that it, there's like a backlash against it, <laughs> like all of a sudden everyone deserts it, yeah, and it all becomes MySpace, you know. <laughs> but I doubt that's the case, you know. It'll just, it'll take another form, like Snapchat. That was that was new. How many years ago now? I remember getting a Snapchat when I was a sophomore in high school, which would have been about. Let's see, I graduated in 2015, so 14, so about 2013, 2012. I remember that's when I got my Snapchat. Wow. I was I was so late to the game. I think I got it like, <laughs> like 2014 or something like that. Like, wow, that is that's pretty lame, Mr. Clark. <laughs> but it it won't be like it'll be something different, you know, in yeah. the next how many years? And it'll it's just giving kids direct access to, you know, be terrible to each other. And I can't. Yeah, I I feel like I'm gonna be. You know, I don't want to give those things to my son. Like, I don't, I know it's expected now to give a kid a cell phone at the age, or a smartphone at the age of what? 12, like, what do you give a kid? Like, you said sixth grade, that's what, the age of 11 or 12? 11 or 12, yeah. Like, I can't imagine ever doing that. Yeah. But if I don't do that, like, I don't know, I guess I will. I'm going to take the hit as the bad guy, because I know... But it's terrible. Like right. my parents did the same thing. They they took the hit by stopping me from getting any video games, no video game consoles mm-hmm. at all. And I would have to, you know, I go to my friend's house. Yep. I'd play them there. I bought a Super Nintendo 
in the 2000s from a friend at school. It was like a, you know, like a cash deal. Yeah. 20 bucks for your Super Nintendo. But everyone was playing on, like, PlayStation 2s at the time. And I'm playing with this. I'm like, yeah! I got a Super Nintendo! This is awesome! But, I don't know, like, looking back, I'm super happy that they did that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have the, like motivation to want to spend my time playing lots of video right. games or like I'm not they don't even interest me that much yeah. anymore um, but I can just see I can if I, as I look ahead I can see myself doing the same thing and I can see Mateo cursing my name right. because I'm doing that <laughs> yeah like is it bad to do those things to like to not allow them to have those devices because they can't now that like now because he won't have that device he can't communicate with me directly if something's up right you know? right yeah i don't know i think it's uh just depends on the situation i guess i mean like my parents i guess bit the bullet with um i never had a tv in my room and i thought i think most of my friends had that and that was the basic thing, like i had that yeah <laughs> gotcha so i would i'd be laying in bed like oh well should i read a book or just go to bed or something like that i guess so i mean i never had that and i would always talk to my friends about well yeah i, I got to watch sports center last night and be like God, he got to watch. Come this. on, man! Top ten. Yeah, or, or Monday Night Ram Raw. Gems. They got to watch the rest of Monday Night Raw. Oh yeah, um, the good stuff. The good stuff. Friday Night SmackDown. Always recording those. <laughs> um, and then like my mom didn't always let me watch that, so I would I would sneak downstairs and she'd be like, "What are you watching?" I'd be like, "Nothing." Nothing. Hallmark. Hallmark <laughs> Channel. Good movie. Go away. <laughs> and then she'd go back up, and I'd put wrestling back on. But um, yeah, I was banned from watching wrestling for a good couple of years there i don't see the purpose i missed the bus one day because i was watching a, a vhs of like royal rumble 95 <laughs> or something and that incident was like nope <laughs> putting a stop to this you ain't gonna miss the bus anymore because you ain't watching wrestling ever and i was super sad that day i can i can i can remember it was a, but then i i I made a comeback eventually. Yep. I remember, like, going to, like, Video Magic and renting, like, just the different, like, WrestleManias when I got to go to Grandma's house, though. Because then Mom wouldn't know. But if I went to Grandma's <laughs> house, I'd be like, Grandma, can we stop at Video Magic? I want to rent some movies. And she'd go, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> just like Stone Cold. That's right. Oh, my God. Well, we've been sitting here for, like, an hour and an hour and a half almost. Maybe not. Hour 15. Um, the ones that I listen to are, like, really long typically really yeah i mean they're at least an hour long and i listen to a lot of i don't know a lot of them seem to focus on like habits or just personal growth stuff mm-hmm. i mean i don't i remember there was such a, there was always such a i don't know if it's taboo but like kind of like kind of like pro wrestling like you didn't want to tell like i feel like i don't want to tell people that i'm into that stuff mm-hmm for fear of, like, judgment, right. I guess. But, like, man, when I listen to a good one that's about those topics and they talk about, you know, developing yourself psychologically in ways to, you know, create your own obstacles to, you know, grow and develop, like, I, it really gets me going. Yeah. You know? Um, have, have you found any habits that you've, since, like, so since you've graduated high school... Mm-hmm. Gone through college for, this is the fourth year, right? Yep. Um, in that time, have you built any new habits that have 
really changed how like changed I mean changed your life I guess or changed who you are as a person yeah um the biggest one that uh is I learned from it was a mental health panel for student athletes two years ago now um they talked about finding your me time I think we've talked about this a little bit um kind of at the end of every day um no matter what you've gone through no matter how tired you are um always take as much time as you need um, as possible for yourself to just kind of recharge. They use a water bottle analogy where you start the day, hopefully with a full water bottle uh, throughout the day, it either gets poured out, somehow the water leaves the bottle. At the end of the day, you got to find a way to put that water bottle back under uh, a drinking fountain or a bubbler if you're from Wisconsin. (laughs) It's another topic for another time, I guess. But That's a weird one. um, Yeah, you got to college and Wisconsin guys – Guys from Wisconsin only. Hey, where's the bubbler? What's a bubbler? That thing. Well, it's a water fountain, and that'll turn into a hat. Every year, the same guys, the Wisconsin, Minnesota guys, will argue about a water fountain and a bubbler. That's just a side note. Um, <laughs> it's true. But, yeah, so just taking time at the end of, end of my day to um, do something for myself, if that's playing a video game, um, just watching some Netflix or Hulu, um, or even just finding some YouTube videos to just kind of relax and just kind of recharge my myself and know that tomorrow is a new day, another 24 hours. Yeah, and is that one so of those things that you just listed? Like, that's kind of your go-to? Yeah, um, and partly, like, with Xbox or playing video games, um, that's a way for me to connect with my friends, and we'll play online. Um, especially being in student teaching right now, I feel very isolated from everybody else who is only going to class couple hours a day hanging out not working basically a full-time 7 30 to 3 30 type of a job and so that's a way for me just to keep connected with them besides football and do that so it's fun to just as much as just to talk with them on the headset as it is to play the game I guess yeah and I've I mentioned this to you before we've talked about this but when you finally get into student teaching and you know all your friends are still in college mode Mm -hmm. and I mean for me college mode was you know I would wake up at I mean I'd go to bed at like one two o'clock every night Mm -hmm. wake up at 10 11 I'd go to I'd go do radio at 12 I'd have a couple classes maybe a night class yeah and then you just like you'd hang out you'd do some homework but like it wasn't too difficult as I remember it right and when you start student teaching and you get into the profession, boy, things change. And like yes. you have to get your rest and you have stuff to do and you don't want to look stupid in front of people, so you gotta prepare. Yep. And it's a grind. And then you combine though you combine that lifestyle with the lifestyle of your roommates. Like teaching makes people grow like we're talking about maturing. Like yep. one way to mature people and make them grow up faster is I'd say make them be a teacher, you know. Or just work a full-time job, I guess. I mean, um, just that time of, yes, like being a teacher is even different than working a desk job, but getting up and knowing that from 7.30 to 3.30, like you're going to be doing stuff, like you're occupied, that's your that's your job. There's no time to take a nap. Um, I know, like for me, uh, a lot of guys will, will get up in the morning for our 6 a.m., 6.30 workouts, the first thing they'll do after workouts is go back to home and go back to bed before they have class at noon or whatever. Um, for me, it's like, well, I'm going to go right from the workouts to teach, and that's going to go all day. And then I'm going to work out again, get home, eat dinner, find some time to not look stupid the next day in front of the kids. Like, 
learn something, uh, prepare to teach them something, uh, and then hopefully find some me time and get in at least my eight hours in. And but it also just helped like as you look around, then you just you just think to yourself like, wow, what have I been doing these yeah. these past few years? And like, you know, just think about like I don't know. I feel like just thinking about myself, there I could have done you know so much more. Like I could have started a podcast, you know, I could have. I mean, I guess I had a radio show, but you could you just could have been, you know, cultivating more interests, and you know, you just realize like, wow. There was so much time that I had before. I mean, and then even then, like the next step is when you become a, a parent or a father, you realize, wow, I had so much free time before. Right. Like now there's, you know, there's maybe an hour mm-hmm. of the night that's available for me time. Mm-hmm. Even then, like that hour disappears sometimes. Right. It evaporates. Right. And, and then do you find yourself deciding, like, do I get this hour of sleep or do I take this hour of me time? Is that something that... I almost always take the sleep. Yeah. I mean, if if I, if I I'm awake, then I take the me time. But, like, if I'm drowsy or I fall asleep putting Mateo to bed, it's like, game over. Yep. I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not coming back from this yeah. one. And then you just pass out, yep. you know? So if you're if you are to give a piece of advice to um, maybe maybe students, maybe student teachers, maybe young teachers, maybe just anybody listening, what is something you wish that they would apply to their life? Is it the me time thing? Or? Yeah, I would say probably the me time thing. Just because uh, it you do feel the overwhelming feeling sometimes where like you feel like you're getting grabbed from so many different areas where you feel like you need to do so many things. But at the end of the day, like your own well-being is the most important thing. If you don't have yourself composed, like nothing else is going to flow that and creating lists. I found like writing things down and you do this more than anybody else that I've worked (laughs) with too. Um, starting with you make your bed every day. Like you check that off. Um, but just if you ever feel overwhelmed, like make a list and visually see, like, hey, there aren't a million things I have to do. It might feel like a million things, but there's only ten of them. And here are my ten things. I can visually see them. So, and you can, and then you can look at it, and you can control. Yep. The controllables. That's right. And uh, give a hundred ten percent. There you go. There's our <laughs> our generic uh, sports answer to to wrap it up. Well, Mr. Schlichty, thanks yeah. for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. There you have it, people. Podcast number 12 in the books with quarterback and student teacher Ryan Schlichty. He's an all-around good guy, and uh, yeah, he'll be a good teacher. I can feel it. The force is strong with this one. If you'd like to give me a rating and a review on iTunes or the podcast app, I would surely appreciate it. Once again, my Instagram handle for the podcast is imteacher.podcast. You can email me at danielevanclark at gmail.com. And you can donate at paypal.me slash imteacher. For my recommendations at the end here of this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and recommend a couple of documentaries. One that has kind of been blowing my mind recently is Blue Planet 2, which can be found on Netflix. It's the David Attenborough 
narrated documentary about life in the ocean. It's almost like it's the Planet Earth series, but underwater. And they redid Planet Earth, so they also did this second version of uh, the ocean version, which is Blue Planet. And it should freak you out because of all the insane forms of life that you don't have any idea about on this planet. Another recommendation is a film. It's called Christopher Robin, which can also be found on Netflix. It's the story of the older version of Christopher Robin played by Ewan McGregor. And uh, it's about how he kind of forgets the joys of childhood and it, it takes his old pals Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Eeyore to bring him back. It's a good one. It it, uh, it made my eyes water a little bit. I'm not sure if any tears fell out, but it uh, it was heartwarming and just a good reminder that there's a lot to be happy for. One of my favorite quotes or, or scenes in the movie is a quote from Winnie the Pooh himself where he says, or he asks, What day is it, Christopher Robin? What day is it, Christopher Robin? And Christopher Robin says, It's today. And Winnie the Pooh says, Oh, good. Because yesterday, when it was tomorrow, that was too much. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on I Am Teacher.